0: You have it.
1: Chapter 5, Cassie This is insane, Marco said. I mean, I've said things were insane before, but this is totally, objectively insane. He pointed at the drode. You go back and tell that manure pile Kryak, and the elements too.
0: This isn't on us. They can fix this and leave us out. If we do nothing, we go back to that other reality, don't we? I said to the drode. Jake's some kind of junior Nazi. I'm a slave owner. All of us living like that? Why wasn't I even in the group? Rachel demanded. You? A violence-prone sociopath like, like you, you Rachel? Rachel? The droid said with a happy laugh. You were in a re-education camp. This world has little room for bold, aggressive females. You would be taught your place. Say what? "'My what?' Suddenly, around the drode's wrist, an oversized watch appeared. "'You all have to decide,' the drode said, holding up the watch. Two minutes. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Then all goes back to what it should be. Tick-tock.'" He was gone as suddenly as he had appeared. "'My place?' Rachel muttered, not quite believing the word. No one teaches me my place. Okay, two minutes. Visser 4 is running around the past, messing up the future. I don't think there's much question that we have to do this, Jake said. Prince Jake, Axe said, Have you forgotten that there will be a price to be paid? The life of one of us. Jake nodded. No choice. Too much hangs on this. Millions of lives versus one? Not even a question. Bull, Marco said. This isn't our fight. We sit this one out. Rachel rounded on him. What? And I go back to some re-education camp? And slavery is back? And we're murdering natives down in the jungle or whatever? I don't think so. I can't believe even you could be this much of a weasel. But Rachel was wrong. It hadn't dawned on her yet. Or maybe on the others. But I know Jake. There was only one life that Jake would trade away like this. Marco, too, knows Jake very well. There was a history between Jake and the evil force called Kryak. It was Jake, more than any of us, who destroyed the Howlers and saved the Escort. Two terrible blows against Kryak. Jake assumed that he would be the one to die. Marco had seen this instantly. He wasn't arguing in the favor of the awful future we'd seen. He was arguing for the life of his best friend. We're just going to let it all happen, Rachel went on, in full outrage mode. All we just experienced? Slavery? Censorship? Wars? Secret police rounding up the homeless and... And Pong? Marco interrupted, breaking her momentum.
1: Look, don't be stupid. This could just be an elaborate trap. Anyway, how do we exactly fix the past? I mean, exactly. Does one of you have a history book stored away in his head? How do we fix history if we don't even know how it's broke? It was Axe who answered,
0: Whatever Visser 4 is attempting to do, we undo it.
1: Hey, it isn't that simple. Where do you think Visser 4 is going to go to change history? He's going to wars. I guarantee you. Killing and dying. And how do we know it isn't our own actions in the past that caused all this? Time travel,
0: Tobias muttered. Too much to get a human brain around. Too complex. Too many possibilities. Okay, look, time is short. It's down to a vote, Jake said.
1: What? The supreme leader wants a vote?
0: Marco mocked. He was stalling, eating up the two minutes. As bad a feeling as I get about this, I don't see how we can just blow this off, Tobias said reluctantly. I'd rather die than be a slave owner, I said. But... I let it hang. I couldn't look at Jake. I felt sick. I felt Marco staring at me. He wanted to see if I understood. I met his gaze. I nodded slowly. I wanted to explain. Jake meant more to me than anyone in the world. He meant as much to me as my own parents. But I couldn't walk away from this. The society we'd just glimpsed? No. Whatever the price we paid, we had to stop that. Marco smiled a small, sad, half-smile, accepting my verdict. I will go where Prince Jake leads, Axe said. Also, I would very much like to see the Time Matrix. Someone's going to teach me my place? Yeah, right. (laughs) Let's do it, Rachel said laughing at her own swagger.
1: Marco? Jake asked. Here's my vote. We go home and watch TV. 50 channels. There's gotta be something on.
0: Jake shook his head. I don't think so. The droid said there was only one
1: channel in that reality. One? Marco asked, sounding shaken. One. Well, then, Mister four is meat.
0: Unanimous. Jake said, smiling in amusement at Marco. Marco turned away from Jake. The grin disappeared. He looked like he wanted to cry. Our eyes met again. And not for the first time, I realized how smart Marco is, underneath all the jokes. He knew we were going to do it. He knew his best friend's life might be the price we paid. He also knew we couldn't go into this hopeless battle thinking about nothing but that single, terrible fact. I leaned close to Marco, so that only he could hear, and took his hand in mine. Cryak is not going to have him. Marco nodded. He squeezed my hand.
1: You got that right.
0: Okay, it's unanimous, Rachel was saying. But not till I get a chance to pack some clothes. Get some things, okay? In other words, you droid piece of dog doo-doo? Not yet, okay? Not yet! Not yet! She yelled but she was yelling it to a large creature that seemed to be made entirely of steel. Chapter 6. Rachel Not yet! It was dark. It was raining. And there was a very large man on a very large horse, wearing very steel armor, right in front of me. The horse reared up and pranced in surprise. Hooves as big as dinner plates flailed. I had appeared right in front of it. We both had. Cassie was beside me. Oh, man, I said. I knew he'd do this. I glanced around in the dark. I didn't see the others. No surprise. I barely saw the knight on his horse. A damp, sputtering campfire away through the trees cast just enough yellow light to outline the almost dainty metal boot. And the ornate stirrup, the long steel shank of his thigh, the metal chain glove that gripped the reins, the elbow joint, the helmet with a pointed visor decorated with elaborate filigree, the red and gold logo on his shield, and, of course, the sword that hung at his side in a red scabbard. The Tin Man, I said under my breath. Uh-uh. I don't think so, Toto, Cassie said. My feet were sinking into mud and it occurred to me that sitting on a horse in the pouring rain was probably not a good time. The Red Knight was very likely to be cranky. The armored man got his horse under control, barely. Then he drew his sword. Definitely cranky. Sophia! He roared, his loud voice muffled by the visor. What? I asked. I don't know, Cassie said nervously. I don't exactly speak French. French? He's speaking French? Like I know? Gussie he said, a little shrilly. I've only had half a year. I got a P- on my last test. The knight rattled off a string of French, and then he pointed his sword right at me. I held up my hands, palms out. Chill, I said. No problem here. Just a couple of wet girls from the future out for a walk. Nice to meet you. We'll just be on our way. No way. Problem A. Where are the others? Cassie wondered. Anglais. The knight shouted. Hey, I know that word. It means English. Cassie said, sounding pretty pleased with herself. Anglais, Espion. Spy. Cassie translated, nodding her head like she was proud. Espion. Espionage. Spies. English spies! That's what he said! I swiped my hand back over my forehead to get some of the water out of my eyes. It didn't work. I looked at Cassie. You know, Cassie, when he says English spies, I don't think it's exactly a compliment. A moi! A moi! The red knight yelled, still holding the sword toward me. Suddenly there came the sounds of hoofs pounding mud. I glanced back and saw a vague shape pelting toward us. I caught a glint of steel armor and green fabric. And now, from all around us, men were running, sloshing, pounding through the mud. This looks bad, I said. We were surrounded. We were getting more and more surrounded. And in the black night, I saw fire-lined swords and axes and lances. I don't know where or when we are, Cassie said. What are we supposed to do? How about stay alive? Morph, for all we know, one of these guys is Visser Four. We can't, Morph. You have another idea? The new horseman arrived like thunder. He splashed up and reined in. The hooves of his horse threw up mud and clumps of soggy grass. And now there was a very long, very sharp spear leveled at us from behind. They see us, Morph. They'll kill us, Cassie whispered. It's dark, I said. Besides... They'll figure were something supernatural, probably run away. I had absolutely no confidence that I was right, but I wasn't going to stand there and be shish-kebobbed without a fight. The new knight, the one with faint traces of green on his mud-spattered, battered shield, took over questioning us. His visor was up, revealing a dark hole where we could have seen eyes and a mouth if it had been light enough. The green knight rattled off a rapid-fire question. We shrugged. I don't know if he noticed that I shrugged with somewhat larger shoulders, or that my skin was turning leathery and gray. The, son de the red guy explained. We're English, Cassie translated. I'm thinking maybe witches? English witches. Spying English witches. English? The new knight demanded. Well, American, actually, I said. Yes, we're English. Cassie jumped in, speaking pointedly to me. Totally English, Rachel. Because what would a couple of Americans be doing here in France in the past, right? Back when people still wore armor and stuff? I don't think so. Ah, right. English, I agreed. Though my voice was thickening as my tongue began to grow in my mouth, and my upper lip melted into my nose and began to grow. Rachel, Cassie said. You're not. But I was. And right then, the French guides noticed. The Green Knight yelled something I don't think Cassie will ever be able to translate. Then, he lowered his lance to horizontal, spurred his horse, and charged.
1: Chapter 7. Cassie
0: Look out! Rachel tried to jerk aside, but she was growing fast, and her legs didn't exactly match the rest of her. She was a tangled, horrific mess of mismatched body parts. I leapt toward the spear. Missed! I fell into the mud at the horse's feet. It was huge, looming high over me, draped with embroidered fabric, its head encased in jointed steel armor. Half by accident, half by instinct, I kicked the horse's knobby left knee. Ah! I thought I'd broken my foot. The horse stumbled. The spear's point missed Rachel by millimeters. The green knight plowed on, right over me. Hooves jackhammered the mud around me. Rachel! The horse's chest slammed Rachel hard. But Rachel was bigger now. Not as big as the horse, but not small enough to be knocked over, either. The green knight backed his horse off, cursing and yelling. The red knight spurred his own mount. He raised his sword high over Rachel's lumpy head. Sprout! Sprout, Two immensely long, curved white tusks exploded from Rachel's face. The sword whizzed as it slashed in a downward arc. Shunkth. Sword blade hit tusk. Ha! Rachel exulted. Now let's see how bad you guys are. Maybe you want to teach me my place. I walked back, stumbled, fell on my butt in inches of mud, picked myself up, and slunk back into the darkness. Away from the melee. Out of the firelight. I was no use to Rachel. Not as a human girl. I was already morphing to wolf as fast as I knew how. Where was Jake? Where were the others? Why were Rachel and I left to deal with this alone? Was Jake still alive? Come on, tough guys. What are you, scared? Rachel raved. The two knights were having a hard time trying to control their horses. The mud sucked at their hooves. The bizarre new smell of elephant sent their horse brains reeling. The foot soldiers had stayed out of the fight so far, which was all that had saved Rachel. If they had charged, she would have been hacked apart. But the knights hadn't given them a signal. And I guess the concept of initiative for average guys was still a few centuries in the future. The fire blazed up suddenly. Pounding hooves. A flash of steel coming down hard. (sighs) Rachel cried as a three-foot cut appeared in her shoulder. The two knights spurred past Rachel and turned to come back at her, one with now bloody sword raised, the other with lance lowered. I tried to scream a warning, but my mouth was pressing outward, filling with long teeth. I was only half-morphed. No matter. There was no time. I bounded forward and fell, face first, into the mud as my legs twisted and shrank. I staggered up, but my arms were morphing to front legs. Fingers gone and replaced by pads. Time wasted. The knights charged. Rachel bellowed. The horses whinnied in fear, but kept going. The knights passed Rachel on either side. It happened in an instant. Ah! Rachel cried in pain, even as she twisted and threw her trunk sideways. I could see the spear protruding from her flank. There had to be two feet of sharp steel blade and wood shaft buried in Rachel's side. I saw a horse, riderless, disappear in the darkness. Then I saw the red knight. He was held high in the air, a thick, powerful trunk wrapped around him like a python. Chainmail hands clawed futilely at the trunk. He screamed something to the men below him. Rachel bellowed in elephant rage. The green knight was wheeling back around. He pulled his sword from its scabbard. About half the foot soldiers were running away, gibbering and yelling. But the others were coming to the knight's aid, charging at Rachel. I tried to stand up, but suddenly I was staggered by a blow on the back of my neck. Wolf instinct rolled me over, almost as fast as a cat. A spear impelt the ground beside me. I saw a wild look on the face of the foot soldier above me. He tried to yank the spear free. Now, I was fully wolf, and the man realized he wasn't going to yank that spear out in time. I bared my teeth and snarled. He turned and ran, yelling something over his shoulder. I didn't know what, but I had a pretty good idea that it included the French word for werewolf. Rachel bellowed. (coughs) I was up. And now I had all the wolf's enhanced senses. I could smell the elephant. I could smell the horse. I could smell sweat and filth and moss and mud. I could smell fear. And in a flash of lightning, I saw a scene from a medieval nightmare. The remaining knight, in wet, muddy armor, shield gone, astride a massive horse festooned in dirty green livery, was charging, sword held forward, toward what he must have thought was a dragon. And the dragon, the African bull elephant, was charging straight for him, tusks thrust out, trunk high in the air, holding the squirming, helpless, screaming red knight. It was no contest. Maybe with a lance, the green knight might have had a chance. Not with a sword. And not against Rachel, who was going to slam his brother knight down on him with the force of a dropped safe. I scrambled out of the mud and ran, full tilt at the knight. Padded feet flew. A foot soldier loomed up before me, crossing himself frantically as he waved an ineffectual sword at me. I snarled. He fell to his knees. I leapt, soared, landed lightly on the man's bowed head, kicked off again, and sailed through the air. I hit the green knight. He fell away. He hit the ground, shoulder first then face down in the mud. I landed on top of him. Many tons of gray flesh went plowing by, tree-trunk legs motoring easily across the mud. The knight tried to get up. The mud held him captive. Stay down, you idiot! I said in frustration. You want to get stomped? I heard new footsteps running, and my wolf senses detected a new smell, one that was definitely out of place in this era. I was pretty sure it was Salsa. I looked up and saw Jake and Marco. Jake, still alive. Which one of you ate at Taco Bell today?
1: Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs' auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, and we're in it. Uh, we're time traveling, folks. Um, I guess apologies to the country of France. Um, I don't speak French. Um, I'm trying my best, uh, to imitate what the Google Translate, uh, lady says when you click the little microphone to pronounce it. (laughs) Um, I think you get the point, right? If not quite the correct pronunciation. You get the, you get the idea. Um, (laughs) other than that, uh. I have a couple of messages. The first one's coming in through my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse. Like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, it's sent in by Randy, who writes, I found you through a TikTok comment mentioning your Audiomorph podcast. A uh, shadow, I guess, to TikTok, TikTok Nation, who's spreading the good word out there. I'm not on TikTok. You'll never find me on TikTok, but uh, that's cool. Uh, I instantly went for a listen and so am so glad I did. I'm on book 13 so far. You do an amazing job I first read Animorphs as a kid from finding books at garage sales, and I don't think I read them in order You're giving me nostalgia that I didn't know I needed. Thank you for all you do. Thanks, Daniel Thank you, Randy, for, uh, those kind words and for listening Um, and I hope you enjoy all the books that you didn't get to read as a kid Um there's a lot of them. I know. I don't. I don't think I read them while I was a kid either. I think very few people manage that. Um, thank you so much. I have uh two more messages, both on Tumblr. That's audio. Uh, sorry, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. The first one is anonymous uh, and is more of an ask. Says, uh, is it possible to maybe maybe turn down the effect on the voice if that creature keeps talking a lot? It sounds cool, but it's pretty hard to understand. Thank you. I love you. Um no offense uh I I get it I tried to turn it down um on on this set of episodes so hopefully the like two other lines of dialogue he has are a bit more legible um when I you know first developed the 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 filter or or what have you um it's a macro on audacity um running a bunch of effects um, but when I first developed that, that was back for, um, was, uh, 27, uh, I think the squid one, and there he says, you know, like, 15 words total. He he doesn't say a lot. Um, this one he has a bit of a monologue in one of those early chapters to explain the premise, and so I probably should have thought about that. I apologize. I apologize. I think he's gone for the rest of the book, and in case you didn't really get what he was saying, uh, Visser 4, former Visser 4 who lost his position because, uh, of the campaign on Lyra, uh, that went bad for the Yurks, of course, because of the Animorphs meddling, um, is now using his host, uh, a washed-up actor named John Berryman, uh, to use the time matrix to go back in time to change history, to make, um, things easier for Yerk conquest, um, which is why they now live in this horrible dystopia. Um, that's, um, that's the long and short of what he was saying, a lot of taunting about, you know, how, um you know, hail cryak and all that. But um you know, not the first time I've gone o- overboard on voice effects, so I don't take offense. Uh I-, I know sometimes I get a loss in the sauce and it sounds okay to me because I've heard it uh twenty times while I'm editing. Um and and then, you know, someone using completely different sound setup uh than me, hearing it for the first time, it's illegible. I get that. Uh the other other ask I have is from uh Willis, who writes in I'm not an expert uh on post World War II by any means, so if I'm wrong, feel free to leave out this message. But I think the war in South America is probably a reference to after World War II a lot of Nazis fled to South America to escape imprisonment. I know that there's specifically a conspiracy theory that Hitler escaped Hitler escaped to Brazil, so I'm not sure uh of any of the historical accuracy for the former. A quick Google says that it happened, but one of the results was from History Channel, and I'm not sure I'm going to trust that information. But I think this megamorphs also is using a lot of Nazi imagery, using SS specifically mentioning anti-Semitic stereotypes of Jewish people, and so on. So I think the South America setting might just be to push home the idea of an alt-history Nazi America. Um, And then a, a second message is I really love the bad timeline trope. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but I think it's a pretty clever choice to go to the bad timeline but put the minds of our normal heroes in the bodies of their villainous counterparts. I actually thought this book would have given us some good guy Yurk straight up fighting evil lights, but instead of flipping moralities and going with what if everyone was evil, uh, is an interesting twist on a twist. Signed Willis. Um, I'll address your second comment first, and then we'll come back to the first one, the second comment. Um... I did I did allude earlier to you that there was an evil Animorphs book. I thought that they stayed evil a lot longer than they did. Um so apologies for that. But yeah, I do think it's interesting to put um their good versions inside uh their like evil bodies like that. It's it's a fun way to not have to deal with um running into your mirror self or whatever. Um I also like uh that you kind of alluded to here uh that it yeah, it's not suddenly that like Everything's flipped upside down. The Yurks are the good guys. The Andalites are the bad. No, it's like uh, even even fascists fight for their homeland, right? Uh, in, in the case of a interstellar invasion, even fascists are gonna nut up and fight those aliens because they can't get their ethnostate if the aliens wipe us out too. Um, so I, I like the idea that even uh, even these quote unquote evil animorphs are still ultimately animorphs fighting the Yurk invasion, just doing it through a completely different set of moral values bred in a um, dystopian authoritarian authoritarian, uh, fascist uh, evil state. Um, Which leads us back to the first part of your uh, ask you sent me, uh, which is to say, um, it's not a conspiracy... Well, Hitler escaping to Brazil is a conspiracy theory, and it's actually to Argentina. Uh, A lot of Nazis did flee to South America. Look up Operation Paperclip. That was the name of the U.S. A CIA operation that did that uh, America also took in a lot of Nazis as well just on our own um, we we put a high-ranking SS official in charge of NASA in the space program because the Germans had done a lot of research on rockets uh, it's not great you know um, and then for, for the uh, sake of fairness I will also mention that the USSR also had a similar program where they onboarded a bunch of Nazi scientists uh, for similar reasons it's all around bad, don't love it, um, but that's that's what happened there. Um, for me, when I read A War Against the South, where my mind goes is the uh, series of um, CIA-backed political coups that have happened in South America, typically toward a sociali- uh, socialist, democratically elected leader, uh, where the U.S. will fund uh, far-right extremist groups, in order to destabilize that region because uh it turns out uh it's a lot easier to get cheap labor um and resources if the area is destabilized and to the counterpoint of that uh beyond them not being able to effectively negotiate things like oil or lithium that are, or even bananas found in South America um also if there's not a socialist state which is of course ideologically opposed to capitalism um isn't next door, then, like, your geopolitical security, um, becomes a lot better, right? Um, so, you know, we have, uh, things like when the U.S. government funded the Contras. Um, uh, I, I think we, I think we were involved in the Chilean coup, uh, coup as well with, uh, Ali Andre. is that his name? I'm sorry, I'm, I should have looked up some links before, uh, answering this one, but essentially... America has always been very heavily involved in South American politics for um, its own imperial interests. Um, also, look up the um, Banana Republic, uh, where this, this wasn't the government. This was just private enterprise, but, you know, um, death squads were sent to murder union organizers um, uh, on banana picking plantations in order to keep the banana profits good and the banana prices low. It's all bad. Everything America's ever done in South America is bad, um, in in conclusion. So, um, there there definitely are hints to um, Nazism, I think, in in this early couple of chapters. That might just also be... that is just like a very easy shorthand for fascism, I think, um, especially in the 90s. Um, They don't actually mention SS. They mention something called a triple S, which they might expand on. But, like, obviously, you don't call something the triple S without intentionally you're uh intentionally you're drawing comparisons to the ss so like same difference um certainly the point is that this is a fascist empire which again is not that far off from how america actually is oopsies um thank you so much for the ask willis uh thank you for letting me spout on about a bunch of nonsense um on on why i hate the cia uh and uh that's all the messages I have. If you'd like to send in a message, I've al- already mentioned two ways. Uh that's the Tumblr audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and the website theapocalypse.com. You can also do it through Gmail, that's audiomorphscast@gmail.com. Um and other than that, uh I I think that's all I got. So, thank you all for listening and uh I will see y'all next week. My name is Daniel. I believe one day the end of it will come. Until then, we fight.